Section fifty nine of London Labour and the London Poor by Henry Mayhew, Volume One. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Peter Yearsley. The Street Folk, Part fifty nine. The Public House Hawkers of Metal Spoons, etc. The public house hawkers are never so prosperous as those who confine their calling to private houses. They are often invited to partake of drink, are not the most industrious class of hawkers, and, to use their own language, are more frequently hard up than those who keep away from taproom selling. The profits of the small hawkers in public houses vary considerably. Some of them, when they have earned a shilling or two, are content to spend it before they leave the taproom, and so they lose both their stock and profit. I do not mean to infer that this is the case with the whole of the public-house hawkers, for some among them strive hard to better their condition and occasionally succeed, but there are too many who are content to drawl out their existence by always suffering to-morrow to provide for itself. The man who gave me the routine of small hawkers' business I found in a taproom in Ratcliffe Highway. He was hawking teaspoons, and all the stock he possessed was half a dozen. These he importuned me to purchase with great earnestness. He prayed of me to lay out a trifle with him. He had not taken a penny the whole day, he said, and had nothing to eat. "'What's much worse for such as me?' he added. "'I'm dying for a glass of rum.' I might have his teaspoons, he told me, at any price. If I would but pay for a glass of rum for him, they should be mine. I assured him some bread and cheese would do him more good, as he had not eaten anything that day, but still he would have the rum. With a trembling hand he threw the liquor down his throat, smacked his lips, and said, "'That there dram has saved my life.' A few minutes afterwards he sold his spoons to a customer for sixpence, and he had another glass of rum. "'Now!' said he i'm all right for business if i'd tuppence more i could buy a dozen teaspoons and i should earn a bob or two yet before i went to bed after this he grew communicative and told me he was as good a hawker as there was in london and he thought he could do more than any other man with a small stock he had two or three times resolved to better himself and had put in the pin meaning he had made a vow to refrain from drinking but he had broken out again and gone on in his old course until he had melted the whole of his stock though twice it had during his sobriety amounted to five pounds and was often worth between two pounds and three pounds it was almost maddening when he came to his senses he said to find he had acted so foolishly indeed it was so disheartening to discover all the result of his good resolutions dissipated in a moment that he declared he never intended to try again after having drunk out his stock, he would, if possible, commence with half a dozen Britannia metal teaspoons. These cost him sixpence, and would sell for ninepence or a shilling. When one half-dozen were disposed of, he would procure another, adding a knife or a comb or two. If entirely destitute, he would stick a needle in a cork and request to know of the parties assembled in some tap-room if they wanted anything in the ironmongery line, though the needle was all the stock he had. This was done for the purpose of raising the wind, and by it he would be sure to obtain a glass or two of ale, if he introduced himself with his ironmongery establishment among the sailors. Sometimes he would manage to beg a few pence, and then he would purchase a knife, p 
pair of braces or half a dozen teaspoons and begin to practice his trade in a legitimate manner in answer to my inquiry he said he had not always been a hawker his father had been a soldier and he had worked in the armory his father had been discharged upon a pension and he the hawker left the army with his parents he had never enlisted while his father was a soldier but he had since his mother adopted the business of a hawker upon the receipt of his father's first quarter's pension and then he used to accompany her on her rounds with the pension and the mother's exertions they managed to subsist tolerably well being the only child i was foolishly spoilt by my parents he said and when i was a very young man fifteen or sixteen i became a great trouble to them at eighteen i enlisted in the seventh fusiliers remained in the regiment three months and then at my own request was bought off my mother sold off most of her stock of goods to raise the money twenty pounds when i returned home i could not think of trudging by my mother's side as i had been used to do when carrying the goods nor did i feel inclined to exert myself in any way for my own support i considered my mother had a right to keep me without my working and she poor thing thought so too i was not only supported in idleness but my mother would give me many a shilling though she could ill afford it for me to spend with my companions i passed most of my time in a skittle ground i was not what you might term a skittle sharp for i never entered into a plot to victimize any person although i confess i have often bet upon the greenness of those who were silly enough to make wages that they could not possibly win sometimes after i had lost the trifle supplied me by my mother i would return and be blackguard enough to assume the bully unless my demands on her for a further supply were attended to poor thing she was very meek and with tears in her eyes she would grant my request i often weep when i think how i treated her note here the tears trickled down the man's cheek End note. and yet badly as i used her in my heart i loved her very much i got tired of the skittle grounds in consequence of getting into a hobble relative to a skittle swindle some sharpers had obtained a flat i was speculating in a small way betting pennies and tuppences in such a manner as always to win i was practising upon the flat upon my own account without having any connection with the others they fleeced their dupe out of several pounds and he made a row about it the police interfered and i was singled out as one of the gang the principals were also apprehended they got six months each and i was accommodated with a month's board and lodging at the expense of the nation i thought this at the time unjust but i was as culpable as any of them for at the time i only regretted i had not more money to stake larger wages and envied the other parties who were making a better thing of the business than i was when i came out of jail my poor mother treated me as a martyr she thought i was as innocent as a child shortly after my release from prison my father died and with him went the pension of course i was then obligated to do something for myself a few shillings worth of goods only were procured for my father's funeral and my extravagances had sadly crippled my mother's means i behaved very well for a short time my mother then was often ill and she never recovered the death of my father in about a year after my father died i lost my mother our stock of goods had dwindled down to a very poor lot and i was obligated to ask relief of the parish towards her funeral expenses when all was over the value of my goods and cash did not amount to twenty shillings ten years have elapsed since my mother's death and i don't think i have ever been during the whole period sober for a month together 
while i sat in this tap-room i counted in the course of an hour and a quarter four hawkers of sheep's trotters who visited the place three cellars of shrimps pickled whelks and periwinkles two baked potato cellars eight song hawkers the same number with lucifer matches and three with braces and so on not one of these effected a sale of the street sellers of jewellery the jewellery now sold in the streets far exceeds both in cheapness and quality what was known even ten years ago fifty years ago the jewellery itinerant trade was almost entirely if not entirely in the hands of jews who at any rate professed to sell really gold articles and who asked large prices but these traders have lost their command over this as i have shown that they have over other street callings as not a twelfth of the street jewellers are now jews a common trade among such street and country itinerant jewellers was in large watch seals the bodies of which were of lead more or less thickly plated with gold and which were unsaleable even as old metal until broken to pieces but not always saleable then the street or itinerant trade was for a long time afterwards carried on only by those who were regularly licensed as hawkers and who preferred barter or swapping to actual sale the barter being usually for other and more solid articles of the goldsmith's trade the introduction of mosaic and other cheap modes of manufacturing quasi-gold ornaments brought about considerable changes in the trade pertaining however more to the general manufacture than to that prepared for the streets the itinerants usually carry their wares in boxes or cases which shut up close and can be slung on the shoulder for conveyance or hung round the neck for the purposes of sale these cases are nearly all glazed within them the jewellery is disposed in such manner as in the street seller's judgment is the most attractive a card of the larger brooches or of cameos often forms the centre and the other space is occupied with the shawl pins with their globular tops of scarlet or other coloured glass rings armlets necklaces a few earrings and ear-drops and sometimes a few side-combs small medals for keepsakes clasps beads and bead purses ornamental buttons for dresses gilt buckles for wrist belts thimbles and so on constitute the street jeweller's stock in trade the usual prices are from twopence to one shilling and sixpence the price most frequently obtained for any article being threepence it will be seen from the enumeration of the articles that the stock is such as is required for women's wear and women are now almost the sole customers of the street jewellers in my time sir said one elderly street trader or rather when i was a boy and in my uncle's time for he was in jewellery and i helped him at times quite different sorts of jewellery was sold and quite different prices was had what's a high figure now was a low figure then i've known children's coral and bells in my uncle's stock well i don't know whether it was real coral or not and big watch-keys with coloured stones in the centre on them such as i've seen old gents keep spinning round when they was talking and big seals and watch-chains there weren't no guards then as i remember and there was plated fruit knives silver as near as a toucher and silver pencils note, pencil cases end note, and gilt lockets to give your sweetheart your hair in for keepsakes lord bless you times is turned upside down 
the disposition of the street stalls is somewhat after the same fashion as that in the itinerance box with the advantage of a greater command of space some of the stalls one in tottenham court road i may instance and another in whitechapel make a great show i did not hear of any in this branch of the jewellery trade who had been connected with it as working jewellers i heard of two journeymen watchmakers and four clockmakers now selling jewellery but often with other things such as eyeglasses in the street but that is all the street mass selling jewellery in town and country are i believe composed of the various classes who constitute the street traders generally of the nature of his present trade and of the class of his customers i had the following account from a man of twelve years experience in the vending of street jewellery it's not very easy to tell sir he said what sells best for people begins to suspect everything and seems to think they're done if they give threepence for an agate brooch and finds out it ain't set in gold i think agate is about the best part of the trade now it seems a stone as is easy imitated cornelians too ain't so bad in brooches people likes the colour but not what they was and not up to agates but nothing is up to what it once was not in the least sell twice as much when you can which often stands over till to-morrow come never and get half the profit i don't expect very much from the great exhibition they sends goods so cheap from germany they'll think anything dear in london if it's only at german prices i think it's a mistake to fancy that the cheaper a jewellery article is the more you'll sell of it you won't people's of opinion at least that's my notion of it that it's so common everybody'll have it and so they won't touch it it's thames water sir against beer is poor low-priced jewellery against tidy and fair-priced but then the low price has now ruined the other sorts for they're all thought to go under the same umbrella all of a sort one shilling or a penny why as to who's the best customers that depends on where you pitches your pitch or works your round and whether you are known or are merely a upstart but i can tell you sir who's been my best customers and is yet but not so good as they was and that's women of the town and mostly for i've tried most places about ratcliffe highway whitechapel mile end road bethnal green and oxford street the sailors gals is the best of all but almost all of them is very particular and some is uncommon tiresome i'm afeard they says this colour don't suit my complexion it's too light or it's too dark how does that ring show on my finger i've known some of the fat and fair ones what had been younger but would be older say let me have a necklace of bright black beads them things shows best with the fat uns but in general them poor creatures is bad judges of what becomes them the things they're the most particular of all in is necklaces amber and pearl sells most i have them from sixpence to one shilling and sixpence i never get more than one shilling and sixpence cornelian necklaces is most liked by children and most bought for them i've trusted the women of the town and trust them still one young woman in shadwell took a fancy that other week for a pearl necklace it became her so which it didn't and offered to pay me sixpence a week for it if i wouldn't sell it away from her the first week she paid sixpence the second nothing and next week the full tip cause her jack had come home i never lost a halfpenny by the women yes they pays you a fairish price but nothing more sometimes they've beat me down a penny and has said it's all the money i has it's not very long ago that one of them offered me a fine gold watch which i could have bought at any price for i saw she knew nothing of what it was worth 
i never do anything that way i believe a very few in my line does for they can't give the prices the rich fences can it's common enough for them gals to ask any street jeweller they knows how much a watch ought to pop for or to sell for afore they tries it on but it isn't they as tries it on sir they gets some respectable old lady or old gent to do that for them i've had cigars and cavendish of them such as seamen had left behind them you know sir i've never given money only jewellery for it plenty of shopkeepers is glad to buy it of me and not at a bad price they asks no questions and i tells them no lies one reason why these gals buy free is that when the jewellery gets out of order or out of fashion they can fling it away and get fresh it's so cheap when i've had no money on a day until i has sold to these women i've oft enough said god bless em earrings is hardly any go now sir nothing to what they was they're going out the penny jewellery's little good it's only children what buys or gets it bought for them i sell most of brooches from threepence to sixpence very seldom higher and bracelets they calls them armlets now at the same price i buys all my goods at a swag shop there's no other market watchguards was middling sale both silver and gold or washed white and washed yellow and the swags made money in them but instead of a shilling they're not to be sold at a joey now watchguards ain't if a man patters ever so i am informed that there are not less than one thousand individuals who all buy their jewellery at the london swag shops and sell it in the streets with or without other articles but principally without and that of this number five hundred are generally in london and its suburbs including such places as gravesend woolwich and greenwich of these traders about one-tenth are women and in town about three-fifths are itinerant and the others stationary one half or thereabouts of the women are the wives of street sellers the others trade on their own account a few swap jewellery for old clothes with either the mistress or the maids four or five when they see a favourable opportunity offer to tell any servant-maid her fortune buy this beautiful agate brooch my dear the woman'll say and i'll only charge you one shilling and sixpence a german thing sir costing her seven farthings one street jeweller informed me and i'll tell you your fortune into the bargain one old hand calculated that when a street jeweller could display fifty shillings worth of stock he could clear all the year round fifteen shillings a week people said this man as far as i've known the streets like to buy of what they think is a respectable man and seemingly well-to-do they feel safe with him those however who cannot boast so large a stock of jewellery as fifty shillings worth may only clear ten shillings instead of fifteen shillings weekly one trader thought that the average earnings of his fraternity might be taken at twelve shillings a week another and both judged from their own experience thought ten shillings and sixpence was high enough calculating then at a weekly profit of ten shillings and sixpence and a receipt of eighteen shillings per individual we find twenty three thousand four hundred pounds expended in the street trade including the sales at gravesend woolwich and greenwich where both places being resorted to by pleasure-seekers and seamen the trade is sometimes considerable watches which are now almost unknown in a regular street trade there forming an occasional part of it of the peddler jewellers i have heard a manufacturer of birmingham jewellery assert that one pound of copper was sufficient to make ten pounds worth of jewellery 
Consequently, the material to provide the unmanufactured stock-in-trade of a wholesale dealer in Birmingham jewellery is not over-expensive. It may be imagined, then, that the peddlers who hawk jewellery do not invest a very great capital in the wares they sell. There are some few, however, who have very valuable stocks of goods, peddlers though they be. This trade is principally pursued by Jews, and to a great extent, especially in a small way, by foreign Jews. The Jews are, I think, more attentive to the wants of their poorer brethren than other people, and instead of supplying them with trifling sums of money, which must necessarily soon be expended, they give them small quantities of goods, so that they may immediately commence foraging for their own support. Many of these poor Jews, when provided with their stock of merchandise, can scarcely speak a word of English, and few of them know but little respecting the value of the goods they sell. They always take care to ask a good price, leaving plenty of room for abatement. I heard one observe that they could not easily be taken in by being overcharged, for according what they paid for the article, they fixed the price upon it. Some of these men, notwithstanding their scanty knowledge of the trade at starting, have eventually become excellent judges of jewellery. Some of them, moreover, have acquired riches in it. Indeed, from the indomitable perseverance of the Hebrew race, success is generally the result of their untiring industry. If once you look at the goods of a Jew peddler, it is not an easy matter to get out of his clutches. It is not for want of perseverance if he does not bore and tease you, until at length you are glad to purchase some trifle to get rid of him. One of my informants tells me he is acquainted with several Jews who now hold their heads high as merchants, and are considered very excellent judges of the wares they deal in, who originally began trading with but a small stock of jewellery, and that a charitable donation. As well as Jews, there are Irishmen who deal in such commodities. The peddler generally has a mahogany box bound with brass, and which he carries with a strap hung across his shoulder. When he calls at a house, an inquiry is made whether there is any old silver or gold to dispose of. I will give you a full price for any such articles. If the lady or gentleman accosted seems to be likely to buy, the box is immediately opened, and a tempting display of gold rings, chains, scent boxes, lockets, brooches, breastpins, bracelets, silver thimbles, and so on, and so on, are exposed to view. All the eloquence the peddler can command is now brought into play. The jewellery is arranged about the persons of his expected customers to the best advantage. The peddler says all he can think of to enhance their sale. He will chop and change for anything they may wish to dispose of. Any old clothes, books, or useless lumber may be converted into ornaments for the hair or other parts of dress. The Irish peddler mostly confines his visits to the vicinity of large factories where there are many girls employed. These he supplies with earrings, necklaces, shawl-pins, brooches, lockets, and so on, which are bought wholesale at the following prices. Earrings and drops at from three shillings and sixpence to twelve shillings per dozen pairs. The threepenny earring is a neat little article, says my informant, and those sold at a shilling each, wholesale, are gorgeous-looking affairs. Many of the latter have been disposed of by the peddlers at one pound the pair, and even a greater price. Necklaces are from five shillings to one pound per dozen. Lockets may be purchased wholesale at from two shillings to ten shillings per dozen. Guard chains, German silver, are four shillings per dozen. 
gilt heavy-looking waistcoat chains six shillings per dozen and all other articles are equally low in price the peddler jeweller can begin business respectably for two pounds his box costs him seven shillings and sixpence half a dozen pairs of earrings of six different sorts three shillings half a dozen lockets various one shilling and ninepence half a dozen guard chains two shillings half a dozen shawl brooches two shillings and sixpence one dozen breast pins different kinds three shillings one dozen finger rings of various descriptions three shillings and sixpence half a dozen brooches at fourpence each two shillings one dozen necklaces a variety at six shillings three silver pencil cases at one shilling and ninepence each five shillings and threepence half a dozen waistcoat chains three shillings one silver toothpick at one shilling and sixpence these make altogether two pounds if the articles are arranged with taste and seeming care as if they were very valuable with jeweller's wadding under each and stuck on pink cards and so on while the finger rings are inserted in the long narrow velvet-lined groove of the box and the other valuables well spread about the little portable shop they may be made to assume a very respectable and almost rich appearance many who now have large establishments commenced life with much less stock than is here mentioned the jews i do not think continues my informant are the best salesmen and the fact of their being israelites is in many instances a bar to their success country people especially are afraid of being taken in by them the importunities and appeals of the hebrew however are far more urgent than any other tradesman and they always wait where they think there's the slightest chance of effecting a sale until the door is slammed in their faces i believe there are not at the present time many especially small traders who deal exclusively in jewellery they mostly add other small and light articles such as fancy cutlery side combs and so on there may at a rough guess be five hundred of them travelling the country half the number are poor foreign jews a quarter are jews who have perhaps followed the same calling for years and the remaining quarter a mixture of irish and english with a small preponderance of irishmen all these swap their goods for old gold and silver and frequently realize a large sum by changing the base metal for the sterling article their goods are always sold as being gold or silver if asked whether a particular article be gold they reply it's jeweller's gold is this ring gold inquires the customer taking one from the box no ma'am i wouldn't deceive you is the answer that is not gold but here is one adds the peddler taking up one exactly of the same description and which cost the same price which is of a similar shape and fashion and the best jeweller's gold that is made the profits of the peddler jewellers it is almost impossible to calculate for they will sell at any price upon which the smallest amount of profit can be realized the foreign jews especially will do this and it is not an unusual circumstance for one of these men to ask five shillings for an article which originally cost them threepence and which they will eventually sell for fourpence in london there are about two hundred hawkers of jewellery who visit the public houses but few of these have boxes they invite customers by displaying some chains in their hands or having one or two arranged in front of their waistcoats while the smaller articles are carried in their waistcoat pockets the class of persons who patronize the public-house hawkers 
are those who visit the taprooms of taverns and countrymen in the vicinity of smithfield upon market days note one of the hawkers tells me that they succeed better upon the haymarket days than at the cattle sales for the butchers they say are too fly for them End note. sailors are among their best customers but the costa girls are very fond of drop earrings and coral beads the sailors however give the best prices of all i am told that the quantity of old gold and silver which the country peddlers obtain in exchange for their goods is astonishing and there have been occasions on which a peddler has been enriched for life by one single transaction of barter some old and unfashionable piece of jewellery that they received for their goods has been composed of costly stones which have lain by for years and of which the peddler's customer was unacquainted with the value the more respectable jewellery peddlers put up at the better class of public houses and even after their day's travels are over they still have an eye to business they open the box upon the table of the taproom where they are lodging and under the pretence of cleaning or arranging their goods temptingly display their glittering stock the barmaid kitchen-maid the landlady's daughter or perhaps the landlady herself admires some ornaments which the peddler declares would become them vastly he hangs a necklace upon the neck of one of them holds a showy earring and drop to the ear of another facetiously inquires of the girls whether they are not likely to want something of this sort shortly as he holds up first a wedding ring and then a baby's coral or else he exhibits a ring set with turquoise or pearls and small diamonds in a cluster to the landlady and tries it on her finger and by such arts a sale that will cover his expenses is generally effected there is one peculiarity these men have when bartering their goods a worn-out ornament of jewellery is brought to them and although it be brass the peddler never attempts to undeceive the possessor if he finds it is considered to be genuine of course he never gives cash for such articles but he offers a large price in barter i will take ten shillings for this ring and allow you five shillings for the old one says the peddler it would never do to say the ornament was not gold the customer bought it years ago for such and no one ever disputed its being the precious metal should our peddler do so he might as well shut up shop immediately the lady would be angry and suspicious neither would she believe him but rather suspect that he wanted only to cheat her consequently the peddler barters obtains the old ring or some other article and five shillings for his commodity and though the article he has taken in exchange is worth only a few pence he very likely profits to the amount of two hundred per cent upon the cash received the peddlers of lesser consequence put up at humble private or public houses and some of them at the common lodging-houses those who have only small stocks confine their visits to farmhouses and villages End of section 59